welcome to the City Point Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Every day is an opportunity to take hold of. So we hope this message inspires you and builds your faith, that it helps you have more of a God perspective for your day. Enjoy. It's a very special Sunday today because we are in one of our final weeks of our relationship theme. And so instead of doing a traditional preach this morning, uh, it is, I, I have the honour of introducing some of the most amazing people uh, on the planet and you are privileged to hear them this morning simply because they are our parents and our children. This morning we have decided because of feedback that we've received through the year when we've touched on the topic of parenting, we, we've listened and we've heard and so this morning we are very specifically uh, gifting us as a body of, uh, as a body of believers some wisdom on how to parent God's way. And the reason I would love to do that is because with a very quick Google search about parenting, I was able to find 23 in vogue parenting styles and not one of them was a biblical model. And so what I did notice about the anomaly of this particular search is that it was actually speaking about the now or the response to moments that are happening in your current season on how you should do or how you should deal with specific things in parenting. And because not one of us received a manual when we received a baby, we often look for the response or the in reaction to something, we're looking for an answer on how to do things in parenting. But what I noticed was the, uh, the common denominator in this search is it was dealing with a circumstance now and finding a solution now, but it had no future thinking to who that young person would be. And that's the difference when we look at parenting through God's eyes. When we open the great book of wisdom, the Bible, for all of the answers can be found there. The truth is, is God is teaching us ways or showing us ways to parent, to set a child in the ways of the Lord so that when they are older, they will not depart from it. And so I would love to invite to the platform this morning and I'm gonna ask you to help me welcome them my beautiful parents in love whom you know, Henry and Colleen Politensky. My spectacular parents, Lucas and Sharon Jones. And just to get a little bit wild this morning, because Graham and I are on this panel this morning, I've invited some people to be on the panel who would have an opinion about not just our parenting, but also the parenting that happened to us and therefore we come out of our two eldest boys, Tobin and Bobby Politensky. Would you join us on the platform? My awesome husband somewhere, amazing. And we have gorgeous hosts this morning who we have asked, we asked our team, if you could ask any question, what would you ask? And these two girls filled the chat. And so I thought it was the right thing to do to put these two girls in the chair and ask us questions. But I pray that as we walk through this this morning, because we're gonna jump straight in, but there's some great questions. I pray that you get not just wisdom this morning, but some tools to walk forward with that will help me make you the most incredible parent on the planet, even if you're not in that season yet. Or for those of you who may have navigated that season, but would love to still have some tools to do the next season that is coming. So our beautiful hosts this morning are Rachel Eaton and Rachel Collins, some mamas who are in different seasons of parenting. And so I'm gonna pass a microphone somewhere. Maybe to you, babe. Yeah, wonderful. How great is this? We got I know the some of you seats. don't currently have kids, but don't freak out, like it's better to learn beforehand. And Everyone has parents or children around them, never stops. I know for myself, my eldest just graduated prep and your eldest got married recently. So we're just... Second eldest. Second eldest, oh my goodness, you've got so many kids. <laughs> and we just can't keep up with them. <laughs> Sometimes we've got them at home, God's grace. 
So we've got a bunch of questions for you lovely people. I'm going to kick off with asking the lovely Pastor Sharon. Oh, hi. You're right in the middle. Would you start us off? Is it working? Let's, let's start with an easy question. What are the best ways to build a healthy, godly identity in my kids? Okay. So From God's word. Everybody <laughs> say it. From God's word. Yeah. Um, that's the manual for life, as Mel said. Um, yeah, just to, to be able to allow them to develop in their own personalities because they're all different. Um, and then just factoring in that they're different genders, different birth order, and just their environment as well, um, just their schooling environment, everything in, in, I guess, in the culture that they sort of like move in with school and family and neighbourhood and peers and all that sort of stuff, that they are grounded in who they are in God and um, that, that God has a plan for everyone and God has a plan for every one of our children and to be able to guide them appropriately through age to, to find that plan and um, to just build into their foundation, which I might sort of like um, answer another question coming up, um, to, to give them their foundation that they'll draw on for their whole life, you know. Yeah, wonderful. Pastor Gray, do you want to add to that? Yeah, um Identity is, is the key there. So it's in the Word of God. And I think we have the power to speak the Word of God into someone's life. Yeah, so good. And so um, I know my parents always spoke life, God, who I am in Christ into my world. But also I just remember when I met uh, my father-in-law. And um, he, from the get-go, as soon as I you know, wanted to marry Melanie... He just straight away, even before in dating, he was straight away speaking who I am. And he may not have really realised the importance of that until later in my life. So Lucas would always say, Graham, you're going to amount to so much. You're going to be extremely successful in your life. I can see God's blessing all over you. He used to say this to me all the time, whenever he saw me. And uh, many years later, uh, married with children... And I lost my job and I made some bad housing decisions and we lost our houses as well. And um, I remember when I lost my job saying to myself from the negative, how can I be that man that Lucas always said I was going to be if this is what's happened? And I realised that that was a transformation or a forming moment of my identity was God was taking me through something for me to see the realisation of the words spoken over my life. So I think that we got to speak life into our kids. Um, there's a thing in church world that what you, um, what you celebrate is what you're going to get. So in leadership, um, what we want to see is the very things we celebrate. So you're not ignoring negative behaviour in your children, but you need to make sure you're flooding them with positivity, the word of God, and life vo uh, vocally, because that's what you're going to see them rise up into, is what you're speaking over their world. That's so good. That's awesome. If I could add to it, the words are so powerful, they begin the minute they are born. Today's culture, which is new, so I didn't grow up in a culture like this with identity, the cry is question everything about your identity. Wow. And which actually poises us in a position as the church to get really excited because if people are searching for identity and you carry the answer, you have something to say because you carry the identity of Christ. Amen. You can speak the identity of Christ. Yeah. And so from the youngest of ages in our home, and this was exampled for me in my home, uh, a God-given identity was spoken over my life. And not just, not just you will be a godly girl, but this is the characteristics you will possess. This is the characteristics you will operate out of. This is who he's called you to be. And quite specific, even as a girl. Do you know, we can't leave that out today anymore. We confess over our children that you are a mighty man of Amen. God. Yeah. A mighty man, 
or you are a weapon of a woman in the spirit realm. Come on. Why don't we confess identity over our children rather than leaving it up to the question mark for them to go and seek out? Because there will be a million answers for them from now through to future generations that will say, I don't know. You need to explore that. Or it could be set already. Um, I just got to jump in. Identity is like the biggest thing in the world right now. So we, we got to hit this. Um, back in the 70s, the world was crying out for truth. They wanted to find truth wherever it was. Um, and they, that formed the starts of revival in the church. It was because church, you and I, we have the truth, right? Which is Jesus Christ. So as the church rose up and shared the gospel, we found that in the era of the 70s with the hippies and all the rest, revival came out of that because the, the devil was trying to uh, pull the world down in saying your truth is your own truth. And as they sought for that, we were able to give them the answer. It's the same in today's world, church. And we need to know that when it comes to identity, the, the enemy is trying to get this whole world... Um, fashioned in a way that our identity is whatever we choose our identity to be but we have once again again we have the answers for revival that your identity is in Jesus Christ and it's found in the word of God and so you and I as believers we need to make sure that over our children our households the people that our children hang with If you've got a child, I'm going to say 14 years and under right now, but it can be a little older as well. If you've got a child under 14, as a parent, you are still the one that forms the world around them. And so you have the authority and don't give your authority away, parents. You are the ones that can dictate to your children who they will hang around, whose houses they will go, what they will look at, what movies that they will watch, what TV programs they'll watch. You are called their guardian and you have been called by God to be this. So we are forming the world of identity around them and the church has the answer the world needs. Amen. Just adding a little bit, um, just also in my ministry, those of you might not know, I'm a clinician, so a trauma clinician, but I'm a a counsellor. Interesting that when um, someone comes to Christ, comes to salvation, and then they're just allowed to take that time and leaning in and and all in in their relationship, and the church has got such a big part to play in that, as well just supporting and and helping to build into that person, whether it be a child or an adolescent or an adult. Interesting that as they just do relationship with the Lord and get to know him more and more, that their identity becomes like Christ. And it just happens naturally. Yeah, we might put some boundaries and just help there and they'll, they'll come with all their questions, but it's mostly their relationship with God. Time and time again, uh, people have said to me, you know, I'm, I'm no longer this. I don't feel I'm this anymore. I, I developed that I, and it was maybe the world's influence, but I'm no longer that because it, this is what God's word says, but I'm, this is a lived experience for me now and it's become who I am in Christ. So good. Yeah. It was an easy first question. It was great. I was so thorough. <laughs> All right. I'm going to ask the second question here. What are or were, what were your non-negotiables with your kids as they were or are growing up? Were they allowed to do activities that took them away from the house of God? Henry, I might go to you. Ooh. Okay. What were the not negotiables? Well, look, first the natural, then the spiritual. Uh, Respect. They weren't going to come up to say Stewie and say, G'day, Stu. No, Mrs. Sonilia. Hi, John. No, Mr. Eaton. And that was, they had to address everyone as Mr. or Mrs. Now, it, it wasn't this thing, oh, you have to, you have to. No, you, you just say, look, that's Mr. Eaton, that's Mr. Sinelia, yeah, that's Mr. Webster, that's Mr. Johns, whatever. 
You don't go calling them by first name and sort of just explain softly, you know. Uh, adults call each other by first name because they're saying, well, everyone else calls him John. Yeah, adults call him John. They call him Henry and Frida and whatever. But uh, as a child or as a young person, just say Mr. or Mrs. And if they ever want you to say, call me John or Frida, they'll let you know. But if they don't, just have that respect. They weren't allowed to run around in church when the service was on. When we had prayer and prayer meetings, they weren't running around. They always came with us. They sat with us and they stood there. They could walk softly, walk courteously with manners, but not rowdily, not out of control. Because I knew that would reflect on me and Colleen. <laughs> Everyone say. <laughs> so um, it does reflect the parent, doesn't it? So the kids always come to church. We didn't have a nice school church for kids like we have today. They sat on the floor with us with colouring in books, Colleen would pack them little biscuits and that. If they put too many crumbs on, they had to pick them up. You don't just leave your rubbish and walk off. And uh, they weren't allowed to talk louder. The louder they got, we'd, we'd keep quietening them. But they knew the rules before they come to church. We didn't impose them in church. So it was no surprise, oh, what the, you know? It was, they knew already. So we'd teach them just to have respect in church, be quiet, we're there to hear the word of God. When the man of God or the woman of God is preaching, it is so disrespectful to you start screeching or running around or making noise. So they knew that. And um, if they did start getting rowdy, remember they were still kids. <laughs> if they did got a little bit rowdy or started getting louder and louder and louder, we'd, we'd warn them. And then sometimes something had happened, one would get a whack by the other kid and they'd start bawling or something. I'd just stand up, walk them out the back of the church, <laughs> real quietly, real politely. And they knew they're going it like this, their knees the were knocking. Of shame. Our church was like triple as long as this <laughs> and our parents always sat at the front so we probably both experienced the walk of shame where if you were holding your parents' hand and being walked up the aisle, yeah. every other kid knew you were being taken around the back of the building. <laughs> every other kid. Then you had to walk back into the service. Just a, just a quick pray out the back. That's all you yeah. yeah, that's what it was, a and quick a pray. Out well, the back got, with the hairbrush. The Bible. They got all that. But they first got the reason why I had to do that in front of everybody. Then, then uh, I gave them what for. But when, but when I gave it, I didn't just go. And they'd look at me. When I gave it to them, they went. Yep. And then I'd say... You know why you got that and why you're here. I didn't ask him, you know why you got it. Then I'd pray, so give us a cuddle. And we'd pray and say, let's go inside now. And you sit down. And I'll tell you what, we, did, we only did that two or three times. And um, they, you remember they know, this, Grace? Kids, kids are so easy to teach. But if they don't know the boundaries, how can you teach them? Yeah. One day you're allowed to get away with this. Next day mum lets them do this and dad lets them do that. And their uncle lets them do that. Even when we had friends and family come in the house, there was sort of a hush of guidelines around there not to talk like this, not to do like that, or not to do this, or not to do this, because we knew if we sort of blended in with it, then the kids would start to see a double standard. So it's all of that stuff, you know? If I could just cut in very, very briefly. There would be parents in this room uh, who would hear what's coming from the platform and you may have children who are special needs uh, and you might be listening to this going, oh, you have no idea or you've just switched off because it might be a little bit different in your world. I would urge you this morning to lean in because the principles are still the same. There is still a level of respect that we can teach and instill into our children no matter what you're walking through. And so I would encourage you not to switch off or just say, oh, that's so easy for you to say, you don't know my situation or my child or my medical journey. Um, I would just encourage you, please lean in because these principles are the same and you can find your way in your environment, biblically speaking, to instill these values into your children. And with that, I'd like to pass that to Pastor Mel. Yes, yeah, stunning. Yeah. 
stunning. You might have listened to some of Henry's things, Dango. Well, that was for that era, like the era that, you know, back of hairbrushes was really normal to be held in mum's handbag and used at the back of the building. But I had everything. A, a paddle made you of wood. You had a paddle? A paddle. I had a back of a wooden hairbrush. There was also a hose on the reel at the back of the yard. I got lollies. Just I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Just for water. I just got. I just got to clarify. Horses for courses. <laughs> <laughs> this was in the days of our days, and I have to clarify that. Like Rachel said, so beautiful. That things are different today, but principles of God don't change. Respect stays. Uh, don't spare the rod. Stays, but you do it differently. It's a different thing, and there's different things and. Um, rules and regulations, governmental and all that to apply with today. So, horses for courses. What I did was in the era when I had three healthy kids, nothing was wrong with them, and they got what they deserved. <laughs> it was still okay. And, and they're still okay. I stutter every now and then, but it's not from that. You notice Graham doesn't walk around, you know? Because it, it was, to our ability and the, with the pastors and the teaching we had at that time, it was still relevant. We went through the ACE system where those things were strict. But the number one thing we always had to put in, the number one was love and the Word of God. Love and the Word of God. That washed over and over and everything. And don't forget, in meantime, we did have to correct our ways at times. We did progress. We weren't just staunch in the... 1800s, we did correct and we did move on. We always got advice. We always went to Bible studies. We were always learning about parenting. We were always learning about this and that. And we grew with that and our kids grew with that. So awesome. don't take what I said was as too harsh. Um, that was just our time and our era, you know? You're beautiful. If I, if I can speak into the result, though, because sitting here you know, 30 years after that parenting, what was taught, which is the whole point of godly parenting, what was caught, which is the point of godly parenting, was honour. You might say, well, today we don't say Mr Eaton or Mr Collins and we're letting our kids say, hey, Chris, hey, Stu. But the truth is, is we're also living in the result in an era without honour. And it is because some of these practices that were God-given or Holy Spirit-inspired in some generations, they brought with them the beautiful gift of instilled values little by little every single day that we were learning that now are not being taught little by little. We're having to say, you need to honour, you need to respect, but haven't taught it in small monuments, sm small little increments each day. And so that might seem crazy to you, but a small adjustment might be having your child say, excuse me, mum, yep. and learn honour and respect. Say thank you, say please. And they might seem like, meh, but I know because I've got a two-year-old right now, the key word in the house is mine. And so, we are still adopting, whether that came in in the 1800s or in the 80s or whatever, we are still operating today in our household that we do not negotiate with terrorists and toddlers. <laughs> and so, you don't get anything by saying, mine. You say, ta, or please, mummy. You say, excuse me or to age appropriate, so you can teach them different things. We taught our children to sign before they could speak, yes. so that they could learn manners before they could even articulate manners. They were the first things we taught, because we have to start at a very young age, teaching our children to do something that they're going to have to do for the rest of their life. You're not going to set an adult up to win in a workplace if they can't honor yeah. peers, uh, work colleagues, bosses. You're not going to set a young man up in a great way to honour authority 
I, I, sometimes I hear about how some of the people placed in authority or the way we speak about those who have been placed by God in authority over us, even in our government, when we're teaching these moments right from when they're born, simply by these little principles that might be Mrs. Eaton or seems crazy, but for Graham and I, a non-negotiable has been, and not just simply because we've been in ministry, a non-negotiable has been that our children's priorities would be God and then everything else, which included God's house. And so it has been different for our children, and I'm sure that they could comment on this, but I noticed the minute we hit prep with Tobin, every single birthday party was Sunday mornings. And of course, in prep, their social calendar is obviously massive that we received like 36 prep invitations to birthday parties. Now, we all know in the room, in hindsight, the four or five-year-old's birthday party is not that crucial. And yet, the truth is, is we have watched many families literally be dictated to by the other families in the schools going, I, that, this is what is relationship. I am saying you value me by attending this or coming to this. And so for us, when we have done celebration, we have just done it different. We came from an era, I was reminded this by, I think, mum, just two weeks ago. We came from the era that if it was your birthday on a Thursday, the kids who were your actual friends from school came over at 3.30 for afternoon tea and cake. Probably pass the parcel, done like lucky dad, lucky's dad's way. Yes. Yes. Right? That was it. But the truth is, is in this era, we are making the parties bigger than Ben Hur and putting them on Sundays because they require the day for the event. Yep, good one. Wow. And so we made it a non-negotiable that our children would not do this for a reason. Graham and I were probably the first generation of kids where extracurricular activities like sports and drama and dance moved from midweek and Saturdays and it began to creep in on a Sunday because it was also the era that the shops went from being closed on a Sunday to opening. And so our children have grown up in the generation where this is normal. Sport is on Sundays now. And the reason sport is on Sundays is because the world is not stupid. They know they need to Sabbath too. So they take a Saturday and put the sport on Sunday. The enemy is not, you know, dumb. He knows that if he can draw families out being child-led, he'll do it. It's an easy way. And so we said to our kids, you can 100% be developed in the things, the God-given gifts on your life, but we're going to have to work smarter to find the places that you can do it that don't take you away from the house of God. Yeah, and so we did. So, so for some of those things we had to travel for to find companies or groups that would literally be able to cultivate the gifts on our children's lives but not have them prioritizing self over God. The truth is, is we love to champion the wonderful things about our children. But what Graham and I identified as an anomaly in the house of God is that the children who are being taken out of the house of God due to these things are always the ones who struggle with a crisis of faith in their teenage years. And the children who don't, don't. There are families sitting here where whole whole family units have navigated teenage years and the kids have never walked away. They've walked straight. They've all had to make a decision for Jesus and start to walk in it themselves, but they've done so because the priority for their family is God first, not me first. And I know that's a hard line, but we've seen it so often. We haven't yet seen a kid who's done the extracurricular outside of and being pulled away from a Sunday, not struggle yet. We're yet to find it. And so we're just looking at the fruit of it and going, not for our house. So this is what we made a decision for. I think also it depends on what you class as success for your child. So is spiritual growth 
success for your child or is it their giftings being fulfilled like soccer or sports or whatever? So for me, the value should be on spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, connection with God. And the only form that I can find that you strengthen that is through the house of God. I, I don't know any other way. That's brilliant. Thank you, guys. Um, well, our next question. When we're, when we're adults, we start being quite aware of our own personal, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental health. And some, sometimes these are markers where we're like, oh, I should probably get some counselling or I need to walk into some healing. So with this question, I want to ask um, Pastor Gray, do you want to start us off? What are the markers of a kid that is developing healthily in these areas? And then what are the markers of a kid that is not? Like, what are some things? And Pastor Sharon, do you want to jump in as well? Sure. For me, I think they're both the same. So the markers I look for, now I think there's going to be an array of answers to this, but the markers I'm looking for is, is when I'm not in the room. Oh, very and good. so um, with my children, I, I think you've, first of all, you've got to have a relationship with your children. Yeah. <laughs> They're not living their own lives, right? Um, so with a relationship with your children, for me, um, I listen to what they're saying and how they're speaking um, when I'm having a conversation. So I might go into their bedroom on, at night and just say, how are you going? How's school going? You know, is there anything you want to talk to dad about? I've always, from a very, very, very young age, said to all my kids that there is nothing that you can tell dad, can tell dad about that I will judge you for and think less of you. I said, you can That's tell incredible. me absolutely anything at all. And my job is to walk with you through that. We do the same in our leadership. And, um, but when I look at my children, when, when I walk into a room, I always look for my children first and see what they're doing without thinking dad can see them. Um, little things like, I love all my kids so much. Um, in any environment, no matter where it is, they will just walk straight up to me and put their arms around me. Yeah. Absolutely unashamed, no matter who I'm in front of. Um, in the same, the other way, no matter where I am or what environment or who the special person is or what the special meeting is, I will always put my children first. So I can be in a meeting with Pastor Mark Ramsey um, the head of City Point Church, and Tobin or any will walk into the room and I'll say, hey, Bob, how you going? And I will prioritise my child over the meeting because at the end of the day, I'll go home with my child <laughs> and I'm raising my child. And so they're the markers I'm looking for. I'm looking for the, um, the, uh, the, the way in which they answer questions or the way in which they approach a conversation to see where their heart is at. So the Bible says out of the mouth the heart speaks. So I'm not trying to discover the heart, I'm listening to the mouth and um, that's telling me the condition of their heart. So the way they will talk about people, do they talk about someone at school with honour attached, even though it's a negative subject, or are they talking to, uh, to me about a negative subject with gossip attached? Because whether it's honour or gossip, I'm seeing the condition of their heart. And so I will adjust my parenting, going back to question one, which is identity, the power of words. I'll adjust my parenting to the condition of their heart. And so some things I'll have to focus on more. So I'll lift them up or say, you know, they are children of God as well. So why would you look at them from that angle? Oh, well, they did this, this and this. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I've done this, this and this. And Father God forgives me and I live under his grace. Do you think you could share that to someone at school? And so we're walking with them. So that's how I see the health of my children. Amen. And, yeah, great. Um, so in God that uh, our family is our first church I and mean, if we don't and if we get that right then we can get the church right yeah but if if it's not working that great and that's very biblical hey um, and so that's a big big challenge but but hang in there dear heart you know we live under grace as well um, so I guess I can just share that as a mum um, when I was a young mum I'm just how the call of God and, and how I'm hardwired from God as well 
Um, it's always foundational, foundational at nauseam. <laughs> you always get that from me um, because, you know, that's what we draw on. And so, you know, as a young mum, I was sort of pretty much, I don't know, my husband can't speak for him, it was just sheer panic. I was sort of like, oh my gosh, I'm just one step ahead of them. And I felt like I was just like, you know, behind them even. And, and, and then God would just say, hey, you know, you've got this because you've got me. And so just keep stepping it out, keep stepping it out. When I was a young mum, I was in an intense um, sovereign season of healing of my own history, because my husband and I weren't raised Christians, and so in one generation, God can just pivot it. That's for someone, okay? Um, yeah, today. So, um, but for me, it, it it was about really just strengthening the foundations of our children, and from God's word, knowing their differences, knowing their skills, and they every child is just loaded with different skills and talents, and um, but they will not be able to sustain that if they haven't got character, if they haven't got foundation. And um, sort of like I'm on the other end of that where people are presenting to counselling and to help. And it's just epidemic with approval addiction and affirmation addiction. And they're just competing and they're just comparing. And it's not just substance addiction, you know. They're, they're just so needy, so empty, little love tanks, empty. Um, just, just that simple affirmation. We're not wanting to develop people pleasers, you know. You're, you're a human being, not a human do doing. But... For me to affirm, my eldest son, Heath, um, he, he would always put the bin out and I would say to him, Heath, you're just a champion. You just put the bin out and I don't even have to ask you. And his little chest would sort of like puff up. And so I'm building into this little man, you know, um, a work ethic, but about him as well. So there's identity as well. But I'm not wanting to say, okay, I'm going to affirm you when you do. You affirm you when you be. And so I, I noticed, and it's all about attachment. How attached am I? Um, I'd notice at youth or at school or at sport, he'd always include the kids that were left out or who were struggling, and he'd go get them. So I'd affirm him about that. And now he's drawing on that as an as an adult and as a parent himself. Do you understand? Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah, wonderful. And I think as well, if you're seeing in your children some markers that you're like, whoa, like we need to jump onto this, don't do it alone. Yeah. Be be holding onto families where you can see some good fruit. Yeah and be leaning into leaders or your close family friends, like do it with other people because there are lessons they've learnt that can rub off on you. There's so much. Can I just add, mum just dropped a tiny little seed there that mum and my parents, actually both sets of parents, this is where the pivot happened to know where, that God was sovereign in our families, was in both of these guys. But mum just dropped a little thing saying that she was in a season of sovereign healing. Um, I would say that if you are seeing behaviours in your children that you don't love, this has been a practice I have done, because they are little learners. They're doing what I'm doing because they've learnt it from their teacher or both of us. This might be like the warning light on the dashboard that says maybe some healing needs to happen in you. I've had to do that in several seasons of my life because most often anything that you need to heal from, you will try to operate differently. You know, we've all said, I will never do this like my mum. I will never do this like my dad. And most of the time while we're saying, I will never, we are doing it, right? And we can't even see that we are. But... When I started to see certain things that I was doing or that my, were presenting in my children, I was the one that needed some added health yeah. so that my children would learn something different. So don't be afraid to do some healing yourself so that your children are not having to. There are things that my parents have done on their knees that I have never had to face, that have been multi-generational. And you will know this in your family. There might be, you know, all the way down there's divorce, or all the way down there is body image stuff, or all the way down there is addiction, all the way, but it can stop with you. Graham and I know that there are so many things that when we do our genealogy have stopped 
with this generation. Awesome. For the sake of us. And so there are seven children walking the planet without those things simply because parents were willing to do some healing and dealing. And we can do it too. So if I am seeing, particularly when my children were younger, I had a particular thing that I loved to be heard when I was a teenager. I liked, I've got a big word quota. And I remember there being pivotal times where I might be being corrected. The word character came out a lot in conversations. I'm developing your character now. I know you don't like it, but I'm developing your character. And I remember in some of those seasons walking away at 15, 16, 17 and going, I just don't feel heard, all right? And so then as a young mum, I took that offence into my toddler years and was negotiating with toddlers because I was like, they just need a voice. No, they don't. They need direction. Yeah, great. <laughs> there are seasons in your parenting where you are going to have to pivot and adjust and involve the child in the conversation. But the truth is right now, we're doing two babies and there's no negotiations. It's not like pick your battles. It's got to be age appropriate. So right now, we win each battle. Because we're, the minute we don't, they've taken ground. I don't know if you've watched Boss Baby. That's the result. They're crafty. They're crafty. That's awesome. Yeah. Go for it, guys. Okay, we're going to move through these next very practical uh, questions quickly because we are just uh, coming close to time. So I'm going to throw this one to Lucas. Now, I'm very, very grateful for the Holy Spirit. I don't think I could do... Well, actually, I know I couldn't do family without him. So the very practical question we have for you is, how do you pray for your kids? Great question. Um, as I've been sitting here and listening, the gems of wisdom that have been expressed... Um, I would encourage everybody here, and you probably represent others like a brother or a sister, adult brother or a sister, another mother or a father or friends, get this recorded message and go over it. Because we can often think, oh yes, I agree with that. Yeah. And then six months later, we've not realized that its application goes beyond just one time of thinking about it. It has application again and again and again and again as we go through life. So I really encourage you to get this recording. Um, the other thing I've... I'm going to come to the question, but I've just got a few things that I just quickly want to share. Um, this side of the full redemption of the universe, there's going to be cracks in character, there's going to be sin, there's going to be offences, there's going to be hurt, there's going to be breakdown. And if we go into life, and the reason why I'm saying this is because a whole lot of you guys out there might be thinking, oh, it's all right for you guys, you had it all easy, you grew up in an era when things were, you know, good. Um, the truth of the matter is, which one of us here is without some kind of brokenness in our life? We're all a bit broken. So the scripture I'm thinking of is that uh, in Jeremiah 33, God says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Whatever brokenness or fear of failure or insecurities you have, I tell you something, there isn't, there isn't anything that you've got that God can't provide for you to give you a victory in your life. And Sharon and I are probably both very good examples of that. If you knew the depth of the backgrounds from which we came, you would go, wow. Um, and I'm not exaggerating here. How did these two manage to stay alive? Okay? And I'm not talking just in the context of parenting. Um, I'm talking in the context of being children in the families that we were raised in. But I can tell you how we were survived. The other scripture is in Jeremiah, um, which says, um, 
For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. You will seek me when you, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So how do you pray for your children? Um, we could take up all of the time that's been had already just going over this um, because prayer is as unique and as special as there are individuals that God created. Your circumstances are unique. Your needs are unique and so are the children that you're raising. But I can tell you we have a God that if you take the time to pray and give some focus to your children and to the raising of your children, you'll come up with answers that the world never even thought of. Amen. They'll be special to you, they'll be relative to you, and um, you will find success. Now, remember I said that there's the, this side of the redemption of the universe, which means the redemption of all of us. Uh, there will be failures, but know this, your life doesn't hang upon just what you've done and not done. In God, your life hangs upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And guess what came after that? A resurrection. A resurrection. God has the power to overcome and to give you skills to succeed over the weaknesses and the faults and the failures that you have. Okay? So you can trust in him. My wife birthed a revelation one time in our communication and I've never forgotten it. God does his best work in tombs. So if you're in a tomb, prepare for the best work of God to take place. Thank you. Colleen, could we just um, quickly get just you to rein in there? quickly finish... Uh, sorry, darling, sorry. <laughs> I've prayed when Melanie and Heath and Jared and Rowan, and I know Sharon prayed because you heard her say, God. Um, I prayed for their marriage partners 30 years before they met their marriage partners. That's awesome. And yeah. praise God. Yeah, I'm amen. sitting amongst an answer did. to prayer mm, right yeah. now. So... Um, don't be afraid to define and clarify what you feel you need to help your children to become successful. In other words, there's a bit of confusion in the world, you know. You can't determine for them. And the truth of the matter is ultimately you can't. All you can do is walk with God and them through the process with his wisdom. But that shouldn't stop you from defining what you want. I mean, if your parents had to define wholesomely and in a godly manner what you could have had, maybe you'd have avoided a whole lot of problems that you had as a kid in the first place, eh? So go into prayer knowing that God isn't going to answer stuff that he knows is not going to work. He's going to answer according to his wisdom and his will. So you let go and define and think through everything that you think is good and wholesome and um, needed to fertilise and resource this child. I'm talking, this applies to adults as well. This is not just little children. This applies to adults because the devil doesn't get to determine what your future is. Amen. The Spirit mm. of God does now. Amen. Amen. Colleen, can we so, just get you to quickly rein in you. there on how you pray for your children and your family? How did I pray for my kids? Um, I, I wasn't a perfect parent, but one thing I did know that um, God listens to prayer. God hears our voice and hears our cries. Um, I used to get up very early. I had three boys, three little boys. And I used to get up very early in the morning, 4.30, because I, that was the time that I felt that I wasn't being disturbed. And um, 
I used to see each one of my kids before me. I'd imagine them before me. And, um, and I'd begin to speak life over them. Awesome. The bad fruits that I'd seen on their lives through the days, when they come home from school, they'd have attitudes or whatever. I'd get up early in the morning and I'd begin to speak and break that off their lives and I'd begin to speak the word of God wow. into the person I was seeing before me. And I, I believe that I built a lot of their character, I guess, a lot of their um, strength through praying over their lives when they weren't even around. And I'd go into their rooms of a night when they were asleep and I'd lay my hands on their little hearts or on their heads and I'd begin to speak the word of God over them. And because the word of God is the answer to everything, that's where we get life, that's where we get our answers. We may not even understand what we're praying, the words we are praying over them, but God knows and the Holy Spirit will take hold of that word and will begin to work it into their lives. And that's what I knew as a mum to do. And so you mums out there, if you are struggling, just make a habit of getting up earlier than your children do and begin to pray the word of God begin to speak who they are in Christ over their little lives and you'll see great fruit come from them. Yeah. I love that, Colleen. That's beautiful. Well, the adults have had a go. We want the young men to be able to speak. No, one, no one's going to, like, rebut you. It's fine. You can say what you need to do. So I want to hear from Mr. Tobin and Mr. Bobby. Would you share about your parents' values on technology? What were the values and relationships, if you want to jump in there and just like add a little side thing, um, about these boundaries, what were the values around your use of phones, devices, that sort of thing, and relationships, if you want to chuck that in as well with dating, and Tobes, do you want to go first? Wow, okay. Um, <laughs> technology is a fun one. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely my area. Um, Definitely putting boundaries around technology is something that mum and dad learned early on. Um, when we eventually got phones, which took a, quite a while, but <laughs> it happened. When we eventually got phones, dad went through every setting he could find. He locked everything down. Um, even now, to this day, I don't have a web browser on my phone. Uh, so I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. Not I don't missing have anything. Yeah, I don't have any form of social media, and I am glad for it. <laughs> Come on. Um, why, why are you glad for it now as a 17-year-old when I know that that was not the conversation we were having yes. at 14 yes. or 13? Um, Just yeah. wondering. Gr growing up, growing up. It's good up, to hear it because it's affirming. Well, when I was younger, I definitely had my issues with this, and I definitely whinged about it for quite some time. But now looking back on it and seeing where I've ended up compared to where some of my peers have ended up, I can see the effects that um, these guidelines have had on me. Yeah, wow. And so, so I want to, ironically, I want to pursue YouTube as a uh, career. <laughs> and because of that, I've done extensive research into all the social media platforms and the kind of techniques that people use. And right now, we're in a season, we're on the internet. We call it the Mr. Beastification of social media. And what it is, is we're constantly just getting dopamine rush after dopamine rush wow. with no break. And what's that, what that is causing is when we're on TikTok or YouTube or whatever platform you're on, you're constantly, you know, feeling happy, you're feeling good. But what you don't know is it's having the same effect as, like, yeah, drugs, right? Wow, totally. It's, while, while you're having it, it's great. It's a constant high. And, like, everything's happy. But the moment that you're off, the moment that you stop scrolling on TikTok or you stop watching videos on YouTube, you're feeling down, you're feeling yeah. depressed, yeah. right? Because you're not having that high anymore. And I'm so glad that my parents didn't let me have that. Yeah. They didn't know that this was the effect that it would have on me at the time, but they thought, hey, 
This is something that we don't want our kids to have, uh, regardless of the effect, and it's definitely shown, it's definitely made my life better, and awesome. it's definitely something I would recommend for any parents to just watch what your kids are doing yeah. on technology, yeah. to put those guidelines in place, yeah. to, yeah, like, again, I don't have a web browser, and sure, that's limited me in a lot of areas, but it's definitely um, had a lot more benefits awesome. as well. What a so. testimony. That's fantastic. Bobby. It is, it's possible for your kids to not be bullied online. Yeah, come Just on. Just saying. It's possible for them not to not access pornography. Yeah. Just saying. It's possible for them to not be sent inappropriate messages. It's possible for them to not message with others after 9 p.m. It's just totally possible. And yet, this seems quite extreme. We just did it from when technology was first being asked for. We went, here are the boundaries and here's how we'll do it. Bob, do you want to jump in with technology? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, technology. I remember when I first got a phone, um, me being a kid back then, all I wanted to do was play games on it. Yep. And I remember I got the phone and I went to Dad and I wanted to ask him to get some games. And I did. And he might not remember this, but the, the thing he told me was... It's nah, coming out. No, nah, you can't get any games. That's what he told me. He said, I can't get any games on my phone. Uh, he get, do you remember that? No, he doesn't. No, I remember that. I remember, I remember that. that I, was sitting, well. I was sitting on his bed with him. And I asked for a bunch of games. I was going through a list. And he told me, no, I couldn't get games. Eventually, uh, I persuaded him. But, <laughs> but yeah, um... Even though it's like a little thing, the little things matter. So he doesn't remember this just because it was it goes over his head, goes over my head as well. To be honest, I didn't remember it till just now. Um, but me not being able to have games on my phone as a kid, it allowed, it restricted me from getting games, things like that, contact other people within them. Wow. And restrict me from ads for other things yeah. and restrict me from gameplay aspects that I didn't know were a thing at the time. And so me not being able to have the games that I wanted restricted me from all of the worldly aspects that me as a kid didn't even know existed yet. And so, sure, I persuaded him in the end, but I remember what I did get as the games it were things that were fully broken down to the bone level where you, there was nothing on it, basically. Yeah, yeah. It was a blank screen Tetris with snake. a couple circles. It was a fun, it was a fun game for uh, however old I was when I had that. And I think moving on with that as well is with the whole games thing, I didn't need it on my phone because Mum and Dad allowed us back then to have DSs and all those fun stuff. And so with these, we were able to play the games that we wanted without the fear of ads that would influence us or payment options that would give us features that we didn't need yeah. or opening us to features that were not known to us yet. Yeah, and so that the little things matter. The little things can really influence how you work in your area. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, with that, as Tobin was saying before, Dad went through and blocked absolutely everything on our phones. But there was rules set in place for each. So if we wanted to search something up, we would have to ask Dad to search it up on his phone, and he would be supervising us as we do it. Yeah, so, so that good. it's not only we have to be bold and know that what we are doing is good, but then we know that there is the person behind us watching to make sure that we are doing the good That's thing. It's like God. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's God watching over us, Dad watching, making sure we don't do anything. Tobin just wants to quickly yeah. jump in here regarding relationship stance in the household. Quickly. Um, yeah, just really quickly. Um, it was always a non-negotiable in our family that when it comes to relationships, there would be no dating until you leave high school. So... Yeah, I'm close. <laughs> nah. Um, 
And that's been really good because, again, seeing the difference between what my life looks like and what my peers look like, yeah, wow. yeah. it really shows me that I wasn't missing out on anything. And because I haven't had this distraction of trying to do a relationship while in school and still figuring out who I am, it's been really great so I can come into church and really focus on God without being... Awesome. Yeah. um, Without... Yeah, I can focus on my God relationship rather than just an earthly relationship. That's awesome. And, yeah, so putting those rules in place around relationships is a bigger deal than it might seem at first. So, yeah, you'll definitely see the fruit of that when it comes out. Awesome. Just to add to that, we just honestly believe that the most extraordinary girls are out there for our sons and the most extraordinary men for our daughters. But it is our responsibility to give those women for these boys and those men for our girls hearts that have not been broken and torn apart. That there's not trauma and regret added to it. And that's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to hand up these most beautiful souls and vessels and hearts that can open fully to the person that they're going to commit to for the rest of their life. And I'd I'd say this is an added thing because Graham and I didn't have that same parameter growing up. That was not something our parents... um, was not a rule. I don't know what the rule was. However, I definitely didn't... Um, exercise dating people until I'd met Gray and I was 15 and you were 17 and we were scared enough of our parents in a healthy way to ask them if we were allowed to date but I'm going to tell you something that's really honest in this area we were really good kids we were kids who followed Jesus with our whole hearts But if you're not allowed to marry in our nation until you're 18, 15 to 18 is a long wait. And I'm telling you now, it's impossible to wait, even as a good kid. So at 16 and 19, we stopped dating for a year. Because to take into a marriage purity and innocence, you can't even as a Christian And it's not today's world. It's the pull to want to be together. You can't do this without some really clear guidelines and boundaries. And sometimes, not sometimes, it always takes the harder road. Always takes the harder road. And so I remember being 16 years old and I really loved Gray. I was going through my season of I don't know if if he is the one. Girls, you get to choose. It's called free choice. Pick a godly one. Um, But this is what I would say. What I know I was wrestling with internally was how the heck will we wait two more years? That's impossible. And so harder roads were taken. So So when we then got back together, six months later we were engaged and six months later we were married. Beautiful. I know people in this building who met their godly you know, person that they were going to marry and six weeks later got married, honestly, because they were able to take purity and innocence into their uh, marriage. And that is incredibly uncommon today, really uncommon. And so I would encourage you to help your child put boundaries in because it's not a if they will make good, good decisions or not. They require a strength to come in and around them. A practical thing our parents did is we had to date in their homes. So, really quickly, we had to date in their homes, which is, well, we thought, awkward. It was awkward. No, no, it's awkward. That's awkward. It is awkward? It's great, yeah. Sure. So, we hung out and we got to know each other well in each other's homes, which for both homes was different than the home we'd grown up in because it's a different family. And the dynamics was different. Graham was the youngest in his home. Others had grown up and married and there was a freedom to date and go out or they were married. In my home, there was three annoying little brothers because I was the eldest. And yet, this was a safeguard. And my dad put in place that for us, 
as a godly young couple to be able to navigate this well, we were never allowed in a vehicle by ourselves. So when we left the home, so did my little brother. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. I think you, awesome. you made me take Ryan to the beach one day when, when I was like, I'm going to the beach with Chris in my bikinis. She's like, with Ryan, now go. And I was like, oh, you're so mean. She was mortified. I was like, you're going in a bikini? You're taking Ryan. <laughs> Ryan can solve this. It was great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, uh, if, if I may, um, yeah. I just want to add to the relationships thing. Um, Mum always talked about um, honouring her and dad and how that would uh, help with relationships because when you learn to honour your parents, you learn to honour your future spouse. Um, just... The, Do you hear that? Yeah, just the way you speak to them. Um, so when I talk to mum, I try to use my manners. I don't always get it right, but I try to. I try to keep a cool head, even though sometimes things can get frustrating. And, you know, it's these little things which are good skills for one day when you're married and I'm dealing with a wife who can sometimes be a bit frustrated. Well, she's pregnant or something. I'm trying yeah. to use my manners. That's awesome. So. I remember being told that uh, to find someone who loves his mother and looks after his mother will because the way that he treats his mum is the way that he will treat me. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to wrap it up this morning. Can we please give our beautiful panel here a very warm round of applause? Thank you, guys.